Hey friends, what is up? Welcome to a Meaningful Mess podcast. I am so honored that you decided to listen and I hope that you enjoy what you hear. I'm your host, Andy McNair, and I'm a wife, mom, author, gifted education and innovation specialist, and passionate educator that believes in today's learners. And just like many of you, I'm just trying to keep it all together. The reality is that even though I try to keep it all together, I can be a complete mess sometimes. You see, I believe that it's perfectly fine for learning to be messy as long as it's meaningful. I can't wait to share manageable and meaningful ideas for you to utilize in your classroom and beyond. My hope is that the ideas and strategies shared each week will help you Find meaning in your mess. Thanks for being here today. Let's do this. Welcome back to a meaningful mess podcast. I am so excited about today's episode, and I know you will be too once you give it a listen. This episode is a little bit different than what I typically do, simply because I have a special guest with me to discuss creativity, arts integration, and how those things relate to gifted education. Stephanie Higgs, also known as Little Miss Gifted over on Instagram, shares such great stuff throughout this episode, and it is full of practical ideas that you can implement right away. I'm a fan of Stephanie's because of her joy and enthusiasm for the work and her ability to take an idea and make it so practical. A couple of other things that I want you to know before we get started. First of all, I apologize for the background noises and sound quality of this episode. Life was happening that day at my house, and I'm not a big fan of editing things out of the conversations that I have. So just understand this podcast and my work isn't called a meaningful mess by accident. Also, the episode is a little longer than my traditional episodes, just because we talked about so many things. That being said, please know that you can find all of the show notes over on my website at andymcnair.com slash episode 69. Again, that's andymcnair.com slash episode 69. Okay, I've talked enough. Let's dive into our conversation. You guys, how are you? Well, I'm so excited. It is a Monday for sure, and I am looking for Stephanie and I were just talking about this. It's, the, it's definitely been a Monday. But that being said, I am so excited to have Stephanie Higgs here on uh, the podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, if you're watching live right now, you're seeing this on Facebook or YouTube. And I uh, just thank you so much if you're here watching or if you watch the replay of this. But we are going to be talking all about creativity the impact that that has on our gifted learners and how we can make creativity a priority in the classroom. I was telling Stephanie, you know, creativity is something that I feel like I talk about in passing sometimes, but it's not ever something that I've addressed head on on the podcast or um, here on Facebook and YouTube. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear what Stephanie has to share. Um, Stephanie and I met sort of kind of uh, from afar at NAGC, the National GT Conference, and then connected on Instagram. And so I started following her on Instagram. You can find her at Little Miss Gifted and was just so impressed with the things that she's sharing that can be implemented like tomorrow. And um, so I just love sharing what she shares and they're really practical ideas. So if you're on Instagram, make sure that you connect with her there. But instead of me telling you all about her, I wanted to give Stephanie an opportunity to kind of tell us who she is, what she does and why she's here to talk about creativity. So Stephanie, without further ado, I'm so excited that you're here. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself and why creativity is so important to you? Yes. Well, first of all, Andy, thank you so much for having me. I am Andy McNair's number one fangirl. Um, like she said, I went to some of her sessions at NEGC in the fall, and I just was so impressed with just your dynamic um, presentations and your passion. And I just kind of felt like we would be best friends. Um, and so I told Andy I started um, some social media communication to share ideas with teachers just in December. I'm very new um, to, to sharing in that space in that capacity. And Andy was my number one first follow. And then she followed me back. And I 
felt like a celebrity. Um, I felt like, you know, blue check mark kind of status. And, um, and the thing that Andy said to me then was that this is such a special community. So, um, and that is just, I think about that all the time. Everyone is so encouraging. Everyone is so affirming. Um, everyone is so great to share ideas back with me or let me know when they've tried an idea. So I'm just beyond grateful to get to step into your community um, in the space that you have created and cultivated, Andy. So I just can't thank you enough for um, for thinking of me and inviting me into this space. So who is who is Little Miss Gifted? Um, so I am a 13th year educator. I spent the first six years um, as a teacher in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I started off in pre-K. Um, I taught second grade for five years, and then I relocated to Nashville, Tennessee, where I taught fourth grade as a general educator. And then finally, um, I like to joke, Gifted found me. Um, so at the very beginning of my teaching career, those first six years in Chattanooga, I was at a once in a lifetime, once in a career type of school. Um, and that was a museum magnet school. And so what makes that so special is that we did not believe that learning was ever bound by the front and back of a textbook. In fact, we were a textbook free school. Um, we also didn't believe that learning was bound by the four walls of our classroom. So we, because we had that, that museum component to um, our public schooling, we were able to partner with all the local museums in town and we visited them on a weekly basis. And we called them learning expeditions. They were never called field trips. It wasn't, oh, we're spending a day at the zoo. You know, you have a small group, go and explore. It was, um, we're actually teaching all of our science and social studies in these thematic units. We called them modules. Um, and so maybe we were studying all of our social studies and science standards under the module of Japan. And so everything that we did that nine weeks in social studies and science was this fully immersive experience. Um, and then we would take our students out into the community. We would look at Japanese artwork. We would go to a sushi museum and talk about kind of where you live affects how you live. Why is this such an important part of the diet um, of people who live in an island country um, and things like that. So we studied oceans for nine weeks, dinosaurs for nine weeks. We went on dinosaurs or digs. Um, one of those was really fun because we dug in the Waffle House parking lot. <laughs> Um, which kind of backed up to a mountain. Chattanooga is very mountainous. And um, what we found through the, the fossils that you find there, you actually find that they were water fossils. So that would suggest to us that way back in time, this was certainly not, you know, anything like what it is today, that this was actually um, a water covered area. And so that's, that's great fun. So all of that just really inspired and shaped my teaching pedagogy because that is a once in a lifetime, once in a career type of school. Um, and so when I relocated to just more traditional public schools in Middle Tennessee, I, you know, my entire tool belt was shaped in this unique and special capacity. So I wanted to bring that with me. Um, I was really passionate about that. And so um, through that, I have I've won a few awards for that. So I was a semifinalist for the Tennessee Teacher of the Year a couple of years ago. Um, I was last year nominated as the TPAC, Tennessee Performing Arts Center Teacher of the Year. So that's our major production theater here in Nashville. Um, all the, the best and, and most exciting plays come through town, but they were so um, impressed with my work regarding arts integration. So that's a huge passion of mine as well. Um, now I'm serving on the state level. Um, I was first awarded the Horizon Award for being um, a little bit newer to the field of gifted education. This is my fourth year now fully in the gifted capacity. Um, so right off the bat, kind of recognized it through the state's Horizon Awards. So just kind of seeing some promise that I was demonstrating in the field. And now I'm actually serving on the executive board for our state gifted association. So I'm the secretary um, and I come up with our monthly newsletter. And so a big passion of mine is bite-sized tips. What's something you can, oh, I just read this in the newsletter yesterday. I've got those resources lying around. I bet I can get something together for tomorrow. That's how I am inspired. So Andy, when I came and visited your sessions, it was, I mean, ferociously, you know, taking it as quickly as I could, but so much of that I could turn around and use the very next day. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, but I know teachers are spread so thin. So whether we have general education educators listening who are, you know, trying so hard to prioritize the needs of their gifted learners, as well as many other unique and individual needs, um, or whether we have a full-time gifted educator who's trying to support all of those general ed educators. Yeah. Um, we know that our, our jobs um, are, are keeping us, you know, very busy and our plates are very full. So I, I really love sharing in a capacity where you can take a bite sized piece and it's very easily digestible and it's something you can do tomorrow. So um, that's a real passion of mine. And, and I'm excited to have an opportunity to share with you guys today. Well, I'm so excited that you're here. I know that before we started, uh, Stephanie, you and I were both talking about that, about how professional development is just so much more meaningful when it's not just, I, I remember I've sat through PDs before where it's just a like, 
here's what you should be doing. Now go and make it happen. <laughs> it's like, that seems like a great idea. I don't know how to do that. Um, and so that's one of the things that I love most about the work that you're doing and that I think is so important in the work that all of us do as far as providing meaningful professional learning for educators is that it's not just the what they should be doing, but also I know that for me as an educator, it was really important that they also shared how to make that happen. And so that's kind of what we hope to accomplish um, on this um, live. And also, if you're listening on the podcast, stay tuned, because at the end, uh, Stephanie's going to share some really practical things that you can turn around really quickly. And I'm super excited about that. So let's just start with the why, because I do think that that's important. So, Stephanie, why do you think or why is not just why do you think we know that it is why is creativity important in the classroom gen ed gifted um, struggling learners why does every learner need an opportunity to practice creativity um well obviously you know i i have very you know kind of low level feelings about creativity yeah we can do with it without it um kidding i think it's so essential and i am so passionate about creativity and the role that it plays um and there's a lot of research too that suggests that a lot of us sort of lose that or it sort of fades out as we get older and so this is when students are in their prime to be creative and so i think if we can really meet them when they're there um at these very young ages Sometimes I like to be a myth buster when I can too, but I think sometimes even even kids have already developed a mindset of I am creative or oh I'm not so creative, yeah, and that, that's really really kind of a myth that we can actually teach and refine creativity through a lot of um, research based best practices and through a lot of methodologies. And so um, I think we've got to catch them when they're at this perfect moment, when they're so ready for it, when their brains are are wired in a way that it's coming so naturally. Um, even just watching the ways that they play. You know, you can give them a cardboard box and kids, you know, you look over a second later and, and they've, you know, done something so, you know, just kind of beyond our imagination or our comprehension. Um, when my friend had a two-year-old, I mean, he took a leftover cup from breakfast. It had like, you know, ketchup or something in it and it was empty. And he found some little something that rolled and all of a sudden he had invented a game where he could throw the ball up in the air and catch it in the cup, you know? And I thought, I mean, these are just leftovers from our breakfast and his imagination is just worrying. And so, um, I think it's just essential timing wise for us to really captivate and capture this interest, this passion, um, just the way that their their minds are naturally going um, at these young ages. And so I think it's especially important for our gifted kiddos because um, there's actually a model of creativity. So um, Dr. Kaufman and um, there's another doctor involved with that research as well, but they have what's called like a 4C model of creativity. Um, and so lots of us, you know, just kind of we start as a mini C, kind of new and novel and, and creativity it's not something I experience a lot or know a lot about, um, but, I, but I'm proud of this. You know, I've made something. And then some of us kind of move to that next level of creativity, which is a little C. So that's when it's demonstrating growth. Okay, well, I started here and look, I've already sort of evolved and changed what I was doing. Um, that's kind of where a lot of us spend a lot of time. And honestly, where a lot of our instructional practices could and should occur in these early years would be at that little C level where we have these kids and they've got so much potential. We're these talent spotting teachers and we're just equipping them with the tools, the strategies, the knowledge. Um, and so that's kind of our job, I would I would say, at this early stage. But then the reason it's so important, especially for our gifted students, is many of them are that next level of creativity, which is a pro-C level of creativity. So these are our, our professional creatives, um, whether that's an artist or a singer or, you know, a writer or a performing artist um, of some sort, an actor, an actress, um, which, again, so many kids aspire to that. You know, when you ask them very often, those are the types of responses you get when you say, what do you dream about? What do you want be when you get older. Um, and so I think sometimes when that creativity is sort of worked out of us at an, at an older age, so are some of those really big hopes and dreams. Um, but a lot of our gifted kids will be those, you know, those artists and um, those, you know, kind of those um, producers of different types of art. And then last is the big C level. So those are the names that go in the history books. And so for me, that's a John Mayer, that's a Taylor Swift. I mean, they're just, they're going to stand the test of time. That's not a name that will be lost, you know, just right after our generation. They're, they're still going to be known for a long time. Um, and again, it's fun to look around your class and say, are any of you going to be that kid? You know, um, even at that pro C level, I always joke with my students, um, American Idol, you know, they, in the past, they would give away a card to a teacher that was influential. And I always one of of you one of you is going to be up on that stage and in the finals you're going to be able to give a teacher a car and you better not forget miss higgs 
I'm really just looking around at your kids and saying, you guys are the future and you have so many creative strengths and I want to refine those. I want to help you nourish those. I want those to grow and blossom rather than to be diminished, uh, you know, just with life and age as, as that kind of naturally can tend to happen. Oh gosh, I love so much of what you just said. Um, I, I think I think it's so true that we tend to, even as educators, like I've had teachers say to me, like, I'm just not a creative teacher, right? Or I can't come up with these things on my own. And, and I find myself doing that sometimes. Like I'll say things like, I just need a starting place because I'm not really creative. And I think we have to be really careful with that because number one, our kids are always listening, right? And we know that modeling is so powerful. And I think when we say things like that, we really are kind of setting the example of you either are creative or you aren't. And so uh, I think it's important to have this conversation of, do you think that creativity can be taught? You know, one of the, real quick, I'll say that one of the, um, people that I learn a lot from around creativity, Willie Thomas, he's actually here in our area. He teaches at, uh, wake up, oh, dinner's ready. <laughs> um, he teaches at uh, Robinson ISD and he does a lot in the realm of creativity, does a lot of work with Adobe. And uh, just in listening to him share this idea that creativity can be taught is really important. So will you talk a little bit about that and, and can it be taught? And if so, what are some ways we can start to move toward that idea? I love that. Um, yeah. So where, where do we begin? Where do we launch? Especially if we don't personally identify as someone who is such a creative. Um, and I, I think too, I think all teachers have it in us. I think the way that we, you know, take state given content and, you know, state given standards and we, we put our spin on it. So I think it's there for all of us. But again, I think those, that language has been spoken over us. Um, and again, as we've gotten older, it, it, we have lost some of that. So, um, so great question. So one of the people that inspires me the very most is as many of gifted educators would say is Dr. Paul Torrance, um, and his work and his legacy. And so Dr. Torrance, um, shares four kind of focus points for, um, for refining creativity. And so those are elaboration, how many details, how much detail can we add to an image? Um, originality, how original can you create a, of a response compared to what other, you know, typical peers might see when they looked at the same stimulus? Um, flexibility, so are there other uses for something, things like that? Um, and then fluency, how quickly can your brain generate ideas? So just how fast, how many? We all know that typically our first idea is not our best idea. So the faster we train those muscles and that brain to just think of new ideas, um, the, the hidden best one is, is somewhere further down that list. And so we want to train our brain to think through that. Um, so I have a few resources that really help me, you know, continue the, the work and the legacy of Dr. Paul Torrance. One of those is, um, uh, it's called a creativity calendar. It's Laura Magner's book. Um, and I picked up a, an old copy of that book and it is so phenomenal. And it literally teaches those four tenets. It has drills where students practice those. Um, and it's actually, it's a calendar. So it's creativity calendar and it's broken up by months of the year. And so you can go through for the entire school year and pull out, you know, a couple pages. So even if you could just start by practicing once a week. Now, of course I started that way. Now I'm so obsessed. It's my kid's favorite part of the day. We could, if we only did it once a week, we would all be very sad. Um, but it, at the beginning that felt ambitious. So I just tried to find one place a day that I could do a three minute warm up. Um, I serve my students in a pull-out setting, so typically about 30 minutes at a time. And so, you know, even just, just that quick bite-sized piece of a 30-minute lesson. And of course, like I said, it's already evolved and, and grown, but that is a great starting point. So that's where I started when I said, okay, I, I understand and recognize the importance. I have no idea where to begin. That book, Creativity Calendar, um, Karen, or I'm sorry, Laura Magner, that was her work. And um, that's a great just first tiptoeing into the pool starting point. Um, now, if you've ever scored one of Dr. Torrance's creativity assessments, you'll also see that there are tons of other ways we, I kind of joke with my students, they can earn imaginary bonus points. So when I present them with one of these tasks in the creativity calendar, for example, it might say um, in the fluency section, it might say list as many um, cold grocery items as you can think of. So that's just developing that fluency. Just list as many as you possibly can. Um, the next one might be um, just kind of a, a few lines and you go 
in and you elaborate, you add as many details. We always focus on not just adding geometric shapes and, and kind of patterns and designs, but making your picture tell a story. Um, and so through the work of Dr. Torrance, I always teach my kiddos about things like unusual visualization. You know, could you turn that stimulus a different way? Could you leave something kind of hanging off the page that leaves something to my imagination? I kind of have to, you know, expect what would happen if this picture were to continue. Can you include humor? You're so funny in the classroom. You tell these sweet little jokes. Is there a way to be playful in the work that you're creating? So kind of teaching them, those are some of the other pieces. Like I said, if you've ever scored um, a creativity assessment from Dr. Torrance, that is just a great way to just continue building those just through little bite-sized pieces as you're walking around and checking in with kiddos. Um, one of my favorite recent ones is through Carly and Adam. So they have TPT stores. They have um, an Instagram account. They have a Facebook group. But Carly and Adam have created the best little, and a lot of them, they'll offer freebies. And then if not, they're just usually a couple bucks. But they'll give you half of a picture. And you know exactly what it is. You know, so for Valentine's Day, it's not a heart. But what do you see? Exactly half of a heart. And so that really influences the work of flexibility. So, okay, I, my brain knows this is a heart. My brain knows this was supposed to be a heart. Well, I have half of a heart and I have to turn it into something that's not a heart. So again, if you're just wanting to tiptoe in, that would be another great place is through Carly and Adams. It's not a blank because the, the sole focus of that is flexibility. Um, we had one this month that was a snowflake. I, I purchased their winter resource and it was half of a snowflake says it's not a snowflake. And the things my kids came up with were just unbelievable. You know, all of a sudden it's a crayon and, you know, there's a person underneath it and, and just things like that. So that one's great fun. So those would be just my very first two off the bat. But those are a little bit more focused on drawing. So if we want to think about creativity and imagination, Roger Price's Droodles um, are a blast. I actually just found out about those at our state conference in the fall. And uh, he has a slogan that goes with him. And it says, you don't understand until you ask. And then it's too late to wish that you hadn't asked. Um, but basically, they're just a series of lines. And you could leave it up even for days. And you could just post it on a board, you know, somewhere in your room. And students um, just put what they think it is. So, you know, if it's like a, a shape like this, kind of, you know, like an upper part of a triangle and a straight line across, um, you know, the first student might say, oh, that kind of looks like a shark swimming through the water. And then, you know, over time, they'll slap that up on the board on a post-it. You leave that picture, that image there, and they keep coming up with new ideas. And what's funny is they finally do find out, you know, what it was. And that's the joke you wish you hadn't because you've come up with so many more creative ideas. Sometimes it is a really simple one um, or it's really obscure that, that almost nobody would think about. It is really original. So um, anyway, so those would be just some of my very first fresh out of the gate. I want to try this, but I'm not sure where to start because that's really going to live in kind of like I mentioned that 4C model of creativity that's going to be working in that mini C level. They're not brand new to creating. They're kids. They've been creating. They've been playing. Um, but they're also not nearly, you know, probably ready for that pro level yet. So you're just helping them grow. You're teaching them. You're supporting them. You're walking around providing those scaffolds. Um, you know, oh, you have some fiction and fantasy elements. I noticed that. That's really great. Um, oh, you did. You know, this is a little bit just kind of a simple landscape. Could we maybe push the creativity boundary a little bit? Could something be happening? Could you make this tell me a story? Um, could somebody be walking into this landscape? Could there be something left over in this landscape that causes me to wonder what happened here before? Um, and things like that. So it's just great fun to just kind of walk around and be encouraging one-on-one -on -one through just some real quick um, individual conferencing with students. I love that. I think, first of all, that makes the classroom a much more fun place to be, right? I, I always talk about, you know, when I went through my little, I was done teaching. And I, I think that it had really become boring because there was none of that. And so I think, I think one of the things that creativity can do in the classroom is that it can bring that fun aspect back while giving you insight into who your learners are. I think, you know, if we're never giving them the opportunity to be creative, how will we know if they are creative, right? Or how will we know where they are on that scale? And I think so often we have learners sitting in the classroom, gifted or not, honestly, creative learners sitting in the classroom who are just waiting for the opportunity to showcase that creativity. And unfortunately for some of them, that time never comes. And so, or especially as they get older and we start to really focus on content. But the reality is content can be learned through creativity. And I just love some of the things that you shared. I wanna I wanna pause for just a second here and make sure that I say I know that Stephanie is sharing a lot of things and I want you guys to know that I'm going to put the links to all of those things in the show notes. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're listening on uh, Facebook or YouTube, uh, we will put the um, we'll put some of the resources in the comments just so you guys can check them out. OK, so so as we think about that, Stephanie, and we think about creativity, 
as far as utilizing creativity to teach specific content, like what do you think that looks like? I know that's not that's not really a question we talked about, but I think it's I think it's a good conversation to have. Like, what does it look like to weave creativity into specific content areas? Is that possible? Is it hard to do? What does that look like? Okay. Um, one more thought I did want to share. This is how my brain works. It just zooms and zags all over the place. But one more thought when you are kind of popping around and conferencing with students, um, I always let them share. And as a classroom mm -hmm. teacher, that was the thing. It went first. You know, of course, we, we probably don't have time for creativity anyway. And if we do, we certainly don't let them share. But you were talking about these kids are waiting on those opportunities. And that's what sparked me to remember that they really want to share it. So I always carve out in that three minutes, the last 30 seconds, it's always a share. My students have a pre-assigned partner just because it is so quick. I mean, we're talking three minutes in a 30 minute lesson. We've, we've like got that. to really maximize every second. It's usually that person right beside them. They do in turn and do a quick share, but something else that I'll do to level that up even more and make it a safe space. I have them share their best and their worst or their favorite and their least favorite, because I'm really just wanting to, again, cultivate that culture of, we're just trying and we're going to create and create and create. And maybe one of those is a masterpiece and maybe the rest of them aren't. And maybe one of those was a great idea. And the rest of my ideas today weren't so great. I'm not motivated. I'm tired. My brain's somewhere else. But just creating a really safe space as well, not just to create, but to share and then to even kind of self-assess or self-reflect on, hey, it's OK that I had a bad idea. Like they kind of find that humorous, you know, of oh, I'm sharing like <laughs> This one's kind of silly. And then it's funny, too, because the more they do it, they can tell you why. Like they can say that just wasn't that original. I've heard four other kids say that. So eh, that wasn't my best one today. It just wasn't original. Yeah. Well, that's one of the four tenets of Dr. Torrance that I'm teaching. So that tells me that not only are we producing that work, we're also able to even kind of evaluate the level of creativity there. But also it's just a safe space to to know that some ideas are wonderful, but not all of them. Um, and our gifted kiddos, especially sometimes it will sit up in that brain until it's, you know, kind of perceived as perfect. Um, you know, we, we do struggle with that perfectionism piece sometimes. And so this is just one quick way to say, hey, it's great. You can have a great idea. You can have an idea that you decided was your least favorite or your worst idea today. And you know what? We're going to move right on. That's a safe space and that's okay. So uh, that's what I was just about to say. That small little thing that you just shared about not only letting them create, but then giving them the opportunity to share addresses so many different things that we know need to be addressed with our learners. It gives them an opportunity to practice those life ready skills, obviously of creativity, but now you're bringing in collaboration and you're bringing in an opportunity for them to receive feedback from someone else. And um, even productive struggle. I was actually just uh, writing some things about productive struggle today and thinking through like how important that is for gifted learners to experience and to be able to say, like, this wasn't my best work and that's okay, right? I'm not gonna give my best work every single day all the time. And that's just part of being a human being. And I think that, that what you just shared gives the opportunity for so many of those things to happen in, like you said, a three minute time frame. And I think things like that, that we can do in our classroom really quickly but that have a huge return on their investment, right? That little three minutes is gonna give you as the educator so much perspective and, and give your learners an opportunity to practice the things that we know that they need not only in the classroom, but also beyond the walls of the classroom. So. Yeah. Well, and like we talked about too, our, our perfectionist students, they can yes. be paralyzed. And so fluency can be so challenging for them because if that first idea that they're going to dare to write out on paper isn't perfect, it's not the best idea they've ever had, they'll sit there for the whole three minutes and they won't write one word down. So it just is another way to say, hey, I want your bad ideas too. I want your good, your bad, your, and eh, it's okay, somewhere in the middle. And sometimes again, that that best one is further down. So if we can just start getting even the ones we don't think are that great down on paper, we're gonna we're gonna start digging in our brain till we get that, oh, that's the best one yet. I, I didn't even think that was gonna come. So, um, but that can, our perfectionist tendencies can really paralyze us, um, you know, especially when a timed activity, oh my gosh, you know, there's three minutes, clock is ticking. And so just making it a safe space to just start generating those ideas. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I love that. So good. And and I like that it's not something that requires a ton of effort. You know, mm -hmm. that's the thing right now. I feel like so often when we do share things that should be done in the classroom or we're talking, we, we very rarely consider like, is this manageable or is this even something that teachers can fit in with all of the other things that are expected, like the standards and, and, and right. the standardized testing that, you know, unfortunately is an expectation right now. 
But but when we have those conversations, when we have conversations like this one, I think it's important to be really clear about the fact that everybody has three minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Like these types of things are really small, but again, can have a big impact. And, and the reality is can have a big impact on, it's not just about your students being creative, but it's an opportunity for them to learn by doing, right? They're learning through this. It's not separate from the standards. It, they can actually learn the standards and learn the content through these experiences. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I just think that's essential. So that kind of leads me back to the original question you asked. I just could not share that. No, because I it, totally get it. I, I think we, you know, creativity kind of is, is something that would go early on just based on time constraints. And then my goodness, sharing we oh, and they're so proud of what they make. So that's so important. But that really leads me perfect segue into your original question. Um, but also <laughs> this idea of time and and so, like you said, you know, everybody's got three minutes. And like I said, I didn't start with three minutes a day. My students demand that of me. They're bossy. <laughs> they love it so much. They're like, Miss Higgs, cut something else, but this has got to stay. So you can start with three minutes a week. Could you do a, you know, like a flush the format Friday and maybe a Friday warm up is just this three minutes. And then, like I said, pretty quickly, you'll start kind of refining your practices and in, in supporting that work. Your students will probably demand it of you that you find the time and give them that time. Um, so even like, you know, we love a bite sized piece. So could you start? with three minutes once a week. And then over time, you're going to find that value. You're going to see how meaningful it is. Your kids are going to expect and want and cherish that too. So, um, so definitely a great place to start. But that leads me into a quote that um, Michelle Obama said years ago that I still think about. And she was talking about the idea of arts integration. And what she was saying was, that's not something that we're going to layer in or add on, you know, once we've achieved all these other priorities, once we get those great test scores, once we get the kids college ready and off to college, then we, you know, then we'll find that time for arts integration. <laughs> it's actually essential to achieve all of those other results in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and that's, that's not word for word, but that, that's kind of the, the hit, um, the way the message hit home for me. And so you were asking, so how can we embed and infuse creativity? And so my favorite way to do that is through, so those are some explicit ways that you can teach it. You know, those are a few, um, a little bit later, you mentioned we might come back to some little strategies as well. Yeah. Um, but another core way that I do that, besides kind of those three minute warmups, gave you a list of those, is through arts integration. So when I'm writing content for my gifted learners, um, I'm really trying to think through the lens of how can I integrate the arts into every core subject? Mm -hmm. um, so again, I have a few different kind of names I can give as far as resources. I know I talk quickly and Andy, you're so gracious to go back and, and provide um, some extra support yeah. and to get teachers, you know, where they need to go for further information. But my um, kind of go-tos are Socratic seminars. Mm -hmm. So using a visual piece of art that ties into to social studies standards um, or literacy ELA standards. A Socratic seminar is a fantastic way um, to write and develop some really deep, complex questions for our gifted learners that's infusing that creativity and that arts integration into core content areas. Um, another one is the art analysis wheel. So that's the work of Stambaugh and Mofield and Dr. Fecht. Um, and so art analysis wheels, again, are going to pull in that visual art piece. Um, I've done it both ways. I've done that in my gifted classroom, but I've also, um, I also serve as a differentiation coach and instructional coach. We are very lucky. Not all districts have that, but I serve a dual role. So I am the full-time gifted educator at my school, but I also am the differentiation coach. So I work with every teacher in the building to provide um, support as they're differentiating instruction. Man, that's so, cool. Oh, it's amazing. I, I know that there are so many teachers listening right now that are like, I really wish I had a differentiation coach. And I fully, I like, will 100% own how blessed and lucky I am. And like I said, I didn't find this job. This job found me. And I know, Andy, you talk a lot about your faith, but this feels like just the, the Lord set so many things into mm -hmm. motion for me to have this once in a career opportunity. And so I feel like my career has been full of once in a career opportunities, but I, I don't take a moment of that for granted. And neither do my teachers. They know that, that we are so blessed to have that partnership and that I am full time one you know, one building. Um, but in that role, I get to partner with teachers. So maybe that's behind the scenes. I'm offering some differentiation coaching, but it also gives me an invitation into their spaces to co-teach and to model for them. And so I took like the art analysis wheels um, that were created by some of our favorite names in gifted education. And I infused that into general education. So I said, Hey, I have this great, you know, strategy, this great idea. Would you let me come in and model that for you? And let's see if that's something that could be of interest or that could really layer in some additional support um, for your advanced in your gifted learners, but all students are going to benefit from kind of the core of what this is asking um, and just hearing kind of those rich conversations and those deep, complex kind of thought patterns. 
So those are a great way. Um, and then artful thinking routines and making thinking visible. So that's the um, that's out of Harvard University, the um, Project Zero and yeah. making thinking visible. Again, I'll go into some specific strategies a little bit later if we have time, but it's fantastic. And they are those digestible bite-sized ideas. So I can kind of, in a little while, I can throw a few words at you of, hey, you call it this and this is what you do. But what's so great about that is you can infuse any um, any standard, any subject area. So of course, now that I don't teach at this one in a million school where we can just kind of traits into the community every, you know, every week. Well, how can we do that? So I, I presented um, at our state gifted conference a few years ago on the idea of um, looking at our state area museums. Because I thought, you know, we're, we're pretty mobile kids are moving now. Oh, we went to Memphis, we went to Chattanooga. I know you went to East Tennessee uh, recently, Andy. And so I went online and pulled a collaborated with my, my gifted mentor actually. And we went online and we pulled some pieces of art from each of our three kind of core museums um, throughout the state. And we said, Hey, this ties to a second grade ELA study. Hey, this, you know, gorgeous piece of art really relates to a fifth grade standard where they're expected to do this. And so I presented at the state level. So I was kind of trying to give something for everybody, but also that's great for our kids. The next time they go to Knoxville, they want to go to the museum where this piece that we've studied is from. So the arts integration is such an essential component. And, you know, like Michelle Obama said, like, we just can't wait to add it. Once we achieve everything else, we're never going to achieve everything else. But can we do both? Can we still meet those grade level expectations, the gifted curriculum that we're trying to infuse? Can we still do that? But under this umbrella of arts Mm -hmm. integration. So good. I love that. Well, let's talk about some of those specific things, because I know that so many people listening are getting so many ideas if you're if you're hopefully you're not driving and you're writing things down. But uh, if you are driving, uh, don't worry, you'll be able to check out the show notes. But I want to make sure that we do give some just really specific things that teachers can do. And again, I know you shared so many, but as we kind of start to wind down our time, if you had to share some of your favorite ways that educators could make this a priority tomorrow. So if they're listening, they're super inspired by you and creativity. They're like, man, this is something I really want to be better at. Or maybe it's something they already do in their classroom and they're just looking to kind of level it up. What is what are some things that you think they could do to make this happen tomorrow? Okay. Um, So I think if you want to start with creativity, that's kind of a tiptoeing into the water with one of those ideas that I shared. Those are quick. Those are simple. Um, I could even get you started. So you could always, I'll share my contact information at the end, but you could always reach out and say, hey, I want to choose one of those for tomorrow. It could literally be, hey, I want you to get out a piece of paper and we're going to work on fluency today. I'm going to give you three minutes. I want you to list as many blank. And when they love that, you can always refer them to categories or, you know, sometimes parents will reach out saying, hey, they need birthday gift ideas or holidays coming up. And, you know, any treat you would suggest categories is a great game to work on that fluency and it pushes them even further because they're tied to a specific letter um, of the alphabet so that's that's a great quick guy in there so yeah so you could start that simply just picking one of those four tenants like I said I gave you a couple resources that would take a little bit of the legwork out of getting that off the ground so quickly Um, one more I'll share for creativity is Kate Martin she does a lot of presentations here in Tennessee she's phenomenal I attended a several day presentation with her and I still years later like remember for the first time something she said years ago like I'm still processing. Um, And one of those was forced associations or forced analogies. And so Kate um, had just a million pictures, brought just all these photographs, had them laying out on the table. And a big focus of that PD was collaboration. And she said, pick a picture, uh, whichever one represents collaboration to you. And I mean, it's a rainbow and it's a drop of water on a leaf and it's a, you know, a hammer and it's a chalkboard and it's a, you know, field of lilies. I mean, just any random thing you can imagine. And so that's really fun. Sometimes for time's sake, we'll put, you know, like four on the board. Like maybe I'll just pick four random pictures. I mean, it could be a swirly, you know, design and you have to pick one of those and you have to make an analogy about what we're talking about. Um, so it could be, what does creativity mean to you? And maybe on the board, I have a picture of a swirly, you know, kind of shape. And you've got to talk about, okay, why is that representative of creativity? Um, we did like an end of year Zoom, you know, when we were on COVID. Um, and so I said, you have to go find an item in your house that represents this pandemic to you. And one of the kids brings back a roll of toilet paper. And I said, I can't, I, I can't think of a better symbol. <laughs> perfect. That's the perfect answer. Yeah. So you can do it either way where you can have them kind of like, okay, look around our classroom. If you were to you know, to pick and bring over one item that represents, you know, 
power. You could use universal themes, like something in our classroom that represents power, something that represents relationships, you know, something like that. But you can also give them some images, like just in a, a quick slide deck um, and say, pick one of these. So that's another one, a great one for creativity. Um, and then I could go on for hours about arts integration, but I'll try <laughs> to just kind of highlight a few that pop in my head. One of them is color symbol image. That's a making thinking visible routine. And again, every making thinking visible routine is this simple. You go on that website. I mean, you can just click every single one and it's this simple, um, but color symbol image. So like right now we're studying the conspiracy um, trial related to Lincoln's assassination. And so for that one, at the end, one of the culminating projects that students will be able to select is to complete a color symbol image for me. So what's a color that's going to represent Lincoln and his legacy? What's a symbol that's going to represent him? And then what's an image that's going to represent him? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a, a quick one, color symbol image. Um, another one that I love is a 10 times two. You can almost do it like an informal oh, pretest. Yeah. So studying something at the beginning, you know, kind of 10 quick words or phrases. Um, I teach the lesson. We do it again at the end. So like we did that um, when I taught second grade with bamboo at the zoo as part of our Japanese study. And so we went and we looked at the bamboo at the zoo and just quickly, just 10 words or phrases. What are you observing when you look at this bamboo? I teach them all about it. And we do that again at the end. And it's amazing to see kind of the simplicity of that first, you know, kind of initial 10 words or phrases. We do it again at the end, the times two and the complexity of that second set of words or phrases is just such a quick, visible way to see that growth. Um, I always explain that to students. It's called making thinking visible. Our thoughts are invisible. So this is a way to really put those out there um, and really kind of demonstrate the depth of our thinking and the complexity of the connections that we're making. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, another one that I love is a complexity scale. And so you could take, so I, again, I picked a piece of art with this one a few years ago, but it was talking about like um, legacy relationships power. So again, we, we could think about some universal themes there. And so students had to just quickly on a post-it, look at the piece of artwork and jot down, how does this, you know, remind you of legacy? How does this symbolize relationships or power? Pick one of the three. Mm -hmm. And we broke it up. If you picked legacy, go over here. If you chose relationships, go here. If you chose power, go here. And I may just super simple anchor charts and it had simple and complex and they had to go in and self-assess and collaborate with their peers to kind of layer their responses, which one of these is the highest on the complexity scale. So as we're becoming not just, you know, consumers of art, we're really starting to evaluate the the quality of the, you know, the way we're consuming art and the thoughts that we're having and the connections that we're making. Um, I could share several other ones. You know, that's a great way you can embed Paul's reasoning model. I've done that before um, where you take his model of reasoning and which is great for our gifted kiddos. Um, but you can use that in kind of tandem with a visual art piece from a local, mm -hmm. you know, state or even a national art museum. I've done that before. And then um, true for who there's some great ones on perspective taking. And so um, there's one where they actually evaluate. So, okay, we, you know, we kind of have our 2023 eyes on this historical piece, but that's going to provide, you know, some additional wisdom that we have now they didn't have at the time, you know, this piece was created. So there's a lot of different ones for perspective oh, taking. Um, and then one of my favorite just quick ending ones is I used to think now I think so, you know, kind of how is that thinking changing or evolving? Um, and so that that's just another quick one. But they're all bite sized like that, where is if you but the kind of the piece for me is taking these routines from artful thinking or making thinking visible and then choosing a piece of art that's going to infuse whatever content you're trying to cover any subject area, any grade, um, and then infusing and weaving those two together to really make the most meaning. You're still covering what you have to. To cover what you're bound to cover, but you're also making the maximum efficiency of that time um, and embedding some arts integration and some creativity there as well. Oh my gosh. Like that was like drinking from a fire hydrant. <laughs> so good. Like everything that you shared, I was like, so good. That's so good. <laughs> like all of those things are, if you're listening right now, like we're not suggesting that you take all of these things, oh, but goodness, if, you pick, <laughs> if you pick one, I've had people come up to me because a lot of people will say that like Andy listening to you can be like drinking from a fire hydrant. And I'm always like, please no, like these are just, you're very much like me. Like I talk very fast because I want to share all of the things, all but they're all just really practical things. And there was even a comment. Um, I don't know if you can see it, Stephanie, but there was a comment. Sheila Mulberry is here and, and she's from Texas and, and a gifted educator that I'm a big fan of. And she says she absolutely loves the things that you're sharing. So her fingers, so ignore the sad face. That was supposed to be a heart or a happy face. So very, very cool. I love it. Uh, but one of the things that I noticed as you were sharing all of the ideas that you were sharing 
was how we could also connect depth and complexity to those ideas as well. Like you said, a couple, like when you're talking about some of the, um, you mentioned big ideas and, and perspectives, multiple perspectives. And so, so many of these um, kind of fields of study or ideas, you know, when you, when you do work like Stephanie's talking about and you make these happen in the classroom, you're addressing so many of those things like the depth and complexity icons and the 4C model. And so, I think that the more you kind of start to make creativity a priority in your classroom, the more you'll see how these things this just naturally start to happen. Would you agree with that, Stephanie, that it does, it just naturally happens? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, too, another beautiful thing uh, that comes as a result of that, and this is a Brian quote, if y'all are fangirls like I am a Brian my goodness, I found out about him at NAGC. It was actually <laughs> recommended to me, like, wherever he is, you go, you, you follow. Do. Um, and one of his Very quotes cool. that my gifted mentor shared with me from years ago, she's been following along with him for a long time, was that we want to create um, pianos. We don't want to create stereos. And so when we're kind of thinking through everything that we've talked about today, I think Housend is just just a genius. But we want to create producers of art, not just consumers. Mm -hmm. So first, we're really developing those skills for them to be great consumers of the arts with the hopes that some of these kids kind of full circle go back to that pro C or, I mean, gosh, what if one of us got to be the lucky teacher that has, uh, you know, just this big C, this, this name that's going to be remembered in textbooks and we influence them in their, some of their earliest years, you know, and you, you get a car on American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the goal. <laughs> that's what we're shooting for. Is, you know, just on my, you know, bingo card. We're just hoping to get that. in this life. Uh, That's awesome. That is a great quote from Brian. Brian is, a friend of mine and I am a big fan of that of that as well so I just I think that's a great quote and a great way to kind of sum up what we've talked about and uh, man Stephanie I'm just so inspired by again the things that you're sharing on Instagram and the work that you're doing around so many things like you don't just share creativity on Instagram you share so many things and on TikTok and so um, I want to give you an opportunity before we wrap up our time together for you to kind of share. If, if you're listening to this podcast or you're watching on social media right now, Stephanie's going to share how you can connect with her to continue to learn more about what she's talking about. But I'm telling you guys, she shares so much more than this. So you want to make sure you follow. So tell them all the things, Stephanie, how can they connect with you to learn more? Um, that is so kind and generous. Yeah, actually, you're kind of making me think. I feel like I, I have not prioritized a ton of creativity lately. Um, and so lately, I've been doing this for, you know, a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got time. You've still got time. Media capacity. So um, now I have some new content after kind of brainstorming through some of this with you. But Little Miss Gifted on Instagram is a great starting point. I link a lot of things from there. And honestly, my my passion in education has always been how am I going to have maximum impact on student achievement? Mm -hmm. And that's that's looking like at first it was a classroom of 25. Now I've moved into an instructional coaching capacity. I've presented professional development at all these different levels because now I'm teaching all these teachers that are each going to go and inspire so many lives. Um, and so now it's moving into kind of that social networking. How can I share these with you? Um, so it started with Instagram just mid-December 2022, very, very recently. Um, kind of try to share something on there daily, something really bite-sized at Little Miss Gifted. But really quickly, I realized I am too much of a talker to be hiding behind one picture and trying to elevate and, you know, expressively um, share with you how. So that has kind of pushed me to be a little braver and move into sharing some some video content. Um, so on either TikTok or on YouTube, it's at Little Miss Gifted Teacher. Hate that that's confusing, but Little Miss Gifted was actually taken on both of those, um, but no post. So <laughs> you won't get confused, but, and it's, I've got the same profile picture on everything to help you find me, but I'm starting to create lots of video content because I can walk you through things a lot more quickly. I'm, I know I'm a talker. I'm trying to be bite, bite sized. So 10 minutes or less, uh, some of them are 30 seconds, but just a quick tip. I have fun ones like Mischief Managed Mondays for my Harry Potter fans, um, where it's a classroom management tip just every Monday. So, you know, not even specific to gifted, just to my years in general education. But these are things that work great in my gifted classroom as well. So Little Miss Gifted on Instagram, Little Miss Gifted Teacher on both YouTube and on TikTok. And then you can always email me or if there's specific content you want to see, I'd be happy to create something. Hey, I'd love to see you, you know, talk me through this. Um, and that would be Little Miss Gifted Teacher at gmail.com. So, uh, but yeah, definitely start on Instagram. And from there, you can kind of roadmap it everywhere else. Oh my gosh. Well, I am so glad that we made this happen. I'm such a fan of your work. I'm so glad that we've connected. And mm -hmm. I just, um, that seriously, the gifted community community is just so, I think 
we're a very close community and the opportunity to learn from each other through things like this and on Instagram is just so powerful and ultimately has an impact on our learners, which I think is what we're all kind of aiming to do. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing for sure. You guys, I'm telling you, you have to connect with her. She's sharing great stuff. Make sure you make that happen. I will add comments uh, this evening to the video. If you're listening on the podcast on Friday, which is when this will be released, you can find all of the things that she shared. We're going <laughs> to... We're going to work together to get all of that. Um, work it out for you, Andy. I'll help. You can find those things in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. All right. Well, Stephanie, thank you again so much. So glad you were here. You guys have a great evening. Get some rest. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to learn with me today. I absolutely love this community and enjoy sharing and learning with you. Check out today's episode notes by swapping up in most podcast apps. If you'd like to learn and connect more, you can follow me over on Twitter at McNairAN3, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Meaningful Mess. You can always find tons of resources, inspiration, and information over on my website, andymcnair.com. Be sure to check out my blog, Genius Hour resources, and so much more. Enjoy the rest of your day, and as always, I hope that today's episode has inspired you to find meaning in your mess.